Can you hear me? We're good? Yeah? Hey, welcome. That was awesome worship. Amazing. And we see, I see some new people and older people, but hey, Wednesday nights is growing, and I'm stoked for that. Um, but before, I just want to say congratulations, congratulations to Justin. Justin, Mar, they just got married, so... I think it's an amazing thing what God does to restore people's lives, save them, restore them, and put them on the right direction, right? So he does. So if you guys have your Bibles, and if you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in the back there. Um, if, you go, if you don't have a Bible, but if you have your Bible, can you please open to Matthew chapter 5? We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to do more than one verse tonight. Three, we're going to do three verses. I'm pushing it. <laughs> um, yeah, tree. Matthew, 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 Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. Father, we thank you for this night, Lord. We thank you for an awesome time of worship, and we can get together, learn more about you, and not just learn, Lord, but retain, receive, Lord, and walk out of this place uh, encouraged and refreshed and ready to live for you, Lord. And so we love you, we praise you, we ask for your spirit tonight to speak to us uh, through me. Um, and we just thank you for this time together on a midweek, on a Wednesday, Lord God. I thank you for even the kids outside, Lord. Thank you that you bring them here, that they can spend a Wednesday night um, not doing whatever they're doing, but here, Lord, um, learning about you as well. We pray these things in Jesus' name. All of God's people say, amen. Now, starting from when I was about probably this high, um, I remember... Actually, I seen a lot of the times my desires and interests always kind of being pulled in different directions. Uh, I remember one day walking out of my house, and I saw a bunch of kids riding out of their garages, and they're riding skateboards. Now, I thought that was the coolest thing ever, like the coolest thing ever, so I ended up wanting to be a skateboarder, right? This is just the illustration. Now, <laughs> skateboarding stuck with me for a while um, over the years, but eventually that fizzled out. Um, the same thing happened actually in middle school. In middle school, I took an interest in music. I love music. Every time I'd go to my friend's house, I would always see him shredding his electric guitar. And man, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. So I ended up wanting a guitar. Um, and so this kind of happened all throughout my life. There were actually a lot of different influences around me that really pulled me into certain things. Uh, that's kind of how it works in life, even when I got here. Man, it was all about surfing and fishing. That's all I seen, right? As I kind of looked around, that's what, what most people loved to do. And so what, what did I do? I tried learning how to surf. I suck at that, but I tried it. But I fell in love with spearfishing. That's pretty cool, right? And this is kind of how life is. Our community, where we live, where we are, shapes us and molds us, even down to the language. I'm from Oahu, and people are saying, hoi, right? I've never heard that before, right? They're calling me hoy. Now I'm saying hoy, right? So that's just kind of how it works. And the, type of, and the type of influence that surrounds us also plays a big factor. The type of influence that surrounds us also plays a big factor, whether it be from mom and dad, how we were raised, or the people that we surround ourselves with, our friends and our family. Um, we actually pick up on the things that we see. That's just kind of how it works. We hold on to the things we like and we disregard the things that we don't like. Now, 
In this passage of the Sermon on the Mount in your Bibles, Jesus switches gears. He switches from what Christians look like, then he goes to what Christians are. Right now, you might not know this, but I think we say this all the time. God saves us to use us. Right? God saves us to use us. We're not only citizens of God's kingdom, but we also play an important role. Do we buy food and never eat it? Right? Would you buy a car and never drive it? No? And I get it, man. There are people out there that like to collect things. Like shoes. I have some friends that like to collect shoes, right? Nike is always pushing out different shoes. So the value of the older ones go up. They like to sell it and make a dime off of it. But shoes were made for the intent to wear them. Right? They look better on your feet than wrapped in a box. Shoes were meant to be worn. And as we call ourselves followers of Jesus, God doesn't want to hide us. We are not meant to be hidden. He wants to use us. He wants to use you in a powerful way. And it has little to do about how long you've been saved and how much you know. Like those, th- those two things will come with time. I'm going to try to hit this at a different angle. What I'm saying is that there is nothing on earth that speaks louder than a life that's been saved and a soul that's being transformed. I'm going to say that again. There is nothing on earth that speaks louder than a life that's been saved and a soul that's being transformed. And I say being because we know transformation is a process. Right, man, this kind of stuff takes time. And that's usually in God's time. And so even though we finished the Beatitudes, we went through the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes aren't finished with us. This is a lifelong journey. As long as we're on this side of heaven, our lives are constantly being reordered. It's being molded and shaped to look more and more like what the Word of God says. Why? Because this is what people get to see. When they see you, this is what people get to see. When people see you, this is the evidence of your citizenship. And if anybody here is doing their yearly Bible reading plan, anybody? Anybody? No? Not it? Really? Well, you might just, are you out of Exodus yet? I'm out of Exodus. I'm going in, right? I'm going into Leviticus. Don't give up. (laughs) Now, if you read through Exodus, in the book of Exodus, real quickly, um, is the story about God saving and redeeming Israel from Egypt. Now, Egypt is a picture of bondage and of slavery. See, in this book, we get to see God lead them out, Israel, through the wilderness, and they end up at a place called Sinai, Mount Sinai. It's here where God reminds them that I'm the one who brought you out of Egypt, right? You've seen what I did to Pharaoh, and I've brought you to myself. And so in chapter 19, he says this to them. Now, therefore, If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Anybody know what priests do? Anybody? Just put it simply, they bring people into the presence of God. Let's just keep it like that. They bring people into the presence of God. So God calls them to be a kingdom of priests, calls them to be a holy nation among all people. And then in chapter 20, God proceeds then to give them the 10 
commandments. All right, you guys read? No? Well, that's what happens. God proceeds to give them the Ten Commandments in chapter 20. Do we kind of see the progression? Like, do we see the progression here? He first calls people to himself, positions them with all the other nations surrounding them, and then gives them the moral law. What's the reason for this? It's so that if the other nations were to look into this people group right here, they would get to see how they lived. They would get to see how they loved. They would get to see how they treated each other, how they worked, how they viewed the opposite sex. And as kingdom of priests, they would get to see how God designed life to be. And just maybe, they would be drawn into or compelled by how the people of God lived with their God and lived with each other. You tracking with me? We're good so far? Okay, cool. You see, although Israel was God's chosen people and they were called to be a light to the nation, what we see throughout the Old Testament is them backsliding and turning away, coming back, backsliding and turning away. And the reason I'm saying all this is because I know, like I know, I completely understand. It's not easy living in a world that runs in the opposite direction. I know by now we think, or we know that the kingdom of God doesn't operate like the world does. Like it's upside down. This is an upside down kingdom. It doesn't have anything to do how the world runs. And if I'm not careful, this is me, I can find myself just kind of blending in. And in this passage, Jesus is saying that there's a difference between the church and the world. He's saying there's a difference between the believer and the unbeliever. Not in a self-righteous, look at how holy I am way, but you should be able to tell them apart. It's when people start to look into this church, look into our lives, they would notice something about you. Not strange, not weird. Myrna always calls me weird. <laughs> not strange, not weird, not quirky, but different. That's what the Beatitudes are. That's what's going on here. Just as Jesus is teaching his disciples the Sermon on the Mount, instructions were given to Moses. Israel was taught by Moses. Except Jesus didn't bring 10 new commandments. He's doing something new, right? As we look into Beatitudes, this is heart-level stuff. You can't fake this. This is what people see. It's not in our nature to behave this way. That is transformation of the soul, Right, So we're just going to go through them really quickly. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He doesn't say blessed are the proud. He doesn't say blessed are the boastful. This world loves to celebrate strength. No, Jesus is saying it's the lowly who are blessed. It's the one saying I'm weak, I'm tired, and I cannot do this. Theirs is, and theirs alone is the kingdom of of heaven. He says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. We live in a world that hates the idea of sadness. This world hates sadness. Well, we live in a fallen world with fallen people. Bad things happen. It's okay to be sad at times. He's giving permission. Jesus is giving us permission to grieve. That's what blessed is the mourn. Blessed is those who mourn. It's okay to be honest with our reality because that's where we're comforted. Like, it's okay to not be okay. Just don't stay there. 
He says, blessed are the meek. Meekness is not weakness. He doesn't say blessed is the aggressor, not the self-promoting person. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful. You know, we live in a world that's angry and anxious and quick to judge other people. Quick to put people on trial. But he says, blessed are you who show mercy to the ones who've done wrong while everyone else wants to throw rocks. He says, blessed are the pure in heart. Pure in heart just means honest. God's not interested in the highlights of our lives. God knows everything about us, our shortcomings, our failures, our mistakes, and he still loves us. He wants honesty. He wants transparency. He's not some cosmic cop out to get us. He wants a relationship with you. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. Not blowing people up on Instagram, causing division, right? Blessed are you when people persecute you because of righteousness' sake, because of your relationship with Jesus. I just want to say this. If you're being reviled and hated and it's true, and it's not because of Jesus, I love you. It's probably because you're being a jerk. Right? I'm just saying. This is, this is, this is persecution from rightly relating to God and not because you're a jerk. Amen? Now, this word, blessing, I think we went over this, blessing is not happy are you, Right? You cannot be happy and sad at the same time, right? This is, um, nobody ever feels happy when they're being trashed for their faith. So this word blessing, this is God proclaiming blessing over you. And I have to remind myself of this because whether I feel blessed or not, whatever situations these beatitudes might put me in, I am blessed because he's the one who declares blessing over me. Kind of get that, right? Because following Jesus is not always cupcakes and sprinkles, and I think we know that. It's not always easy, right? Man, this past year, there were some hard, teeth-grinding, soul-turning times. Not just in my circumstances, but even God working on me. Like, honesty is not always easy, right? Being exposed for my issues isn't always fun but it is freeing. Man, there's going to be some mountains and valleys in your life, but I can be confident. You can be confident that he's doing a good work in me that's ultimately for my joy and for, for his glory. This is what David is saying in Psalm 16, that the boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places. This is like a shepherd. You fenced me into yourself. You're the one who gives me counsel. You're the one who guides me. You're the one who secured my soul, and you will not abandon me. You have shown me the pathway to life, and in your presence, you fill me with joy. That's what this is. There is no other path. It's that narrow. And I know it can be a little awkward to be a Christian because it calls us to do the one thing that we don't want to do, which is stand out. 
When I was younger, I always hated standing out. God has a sense of humor. That's the point. You and I were not saved to just blend in with this world. You and I were saved to stand out. Amen? Amen. Verse 13. Verse 13 says this. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how? Sorry. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Okay, so there are a few things in life that we cannot live without. And I think those, couple, those few things would be food and water. If you didn't have food and water, you'd be dead right now. Now, salt in the ancient world was pretty much up there with food and water. There are some things going around that Romans used to get paid in salt, but I don't know if that's a myth or if that's real. I didn't want to put that in there, um, that they would p- get wages in salt. But we know salt is, was of value, so that's why Jesus mentioned it. Um, the people that were listening to Jesus when he called them the salt of the earth would have thought of a few things. Now, I tried to reference some scriptures, try to go look around uh, to back this scripture up, but what I found wasn't really supporting. I think one of the more familiar stories is when Lot and his family was being saved and rescued out of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Do you guys remember that story? God said, do not look back, do not turn around, and what did Lot's wife do? She turned around, and guess what happened to her? She turned into a pillar of salt. I don't think that's what Jesus had in mind when he called us the salt of the earth, right? So rather, we're going to look at what the use of salt was in those days. The first thing would have been seasoning. We use salt for seasoning. Salt was used seasoning. What is seasoning? To give food flavor. What kind of food? Food that has no taste, right? Now, this is just my opinion. But there are some Christians, that's good, right? Got to say that. This is just my opinion. There are some Christians out there who have the God-given gift to make you laugh even on your worst days. Anybody experience that? No? Right? Right? They just bring joy into the room, and that person I'm going to mention is LPK. You guys know little Pastor Keone? Right? He's just hilarious. Every time he's coming in the room, it could be 5 a.m. I remember before, he's like, ha, 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 just... And it just makes you laugh really, really hard, and I don't even know why. And I, probably, and I think that's where the Holy Spirit, Pentecostal, that laughter thing came from. You ever seen that? That holy, never mind. Don't watch that. Like, you got to split us up. That's how bad it was. Like, we wouldn't even be able to work together because we're laughing so much. I didn't know it was a crime to be happy. See, so there are those Christians who really bring some flavor into our lives, but Jesus had a more broader approach when he said this. Now, the second thing is this, and this is for all of us. Salt was primarily used as a preservative. I hope I don't get this one wrong. See, they didn't have refrigerators back then. So they would, see, so they would use salt on meat to slow down the process of spoiling, of rotting, or going bad. And if this is what Jesus meant, then you and I possibly serve the purpose of actually being a preservative to the people around us. Like, that's crazy. The reason why I love, love, love the ministry of U-Turn for Christ is because you don't got to convince us we're bad. 
right? Like, you don't got to convince me, right? You don't, you don't got to convince, we, right? Like, that's why we're here. That's the whole point. Like, I know my way was not the way. That's why I came. And so when I get to see the men come in, just for however months, as they turn away from drugs, as they turn away from the bad choices and turn to Jesus, I know for those few months that their lives are being preserved. Even if it's for a couple days, even if it's for a few months, even if it's for a couple weeks, their lives are being preserved. I thank God for ministries like this because it is designed to radically change the course of someone's life. But it's not just a ministry. What they get to see is the people in it. That's what they get to see. Because that's what I seen when I came through. I thank God that he put both Keonis in my life. Big Pastor Keone and little Pastor Keone. So funny. If you ever meet him, so crazy. But man, I seen so much joy. That's what I seen. I seen so much peace. I seen so much love. So much patience. Compassion towards people and humility. And I wanted that. Like, whatever that was, I wanted that. I was so deeply influenced by how they lived, I was drawn in by the way they loved. I was drawn in by the way they showed compassion, by their kindness. And what did they do? They pointed me to Jesus. I got to see something different for the first time in my life. That's what I see. I think it's a Calvary Chapel thing. But I agree with this saying, you might have heard this before, but you might be the only Bible that people ever read. You ever heard that? It's true. Your relationship with Jesus and your transformed life is what God uses. That's what people see. He goes on to say, how can salt lose its taste? The disciples probably chuckled when they heard that because it can't. We're not talking about salt that was not pure or mixed with chemicals. That's not what we're trying to get at. It's a rhetorical question. Salt can't lose its saltiness. Jesus is saying you're either salt or you're not. My question is, how's your witness today? And when people see you, what do they see? The last thing on salt is this. You are the salt of the earth not the salt of the church. You feel me? You are the salt of the earth, not the salt of the church. Our influence on this world is no good if it's only within these walls, which brings us to the last three, two verses. Verse 14 says, three verses, two verses, two. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. It gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your, to the fa- to your Father in heaven. Now, first things first. I think everybody here has reminded or been reminded that their phone light is on in their pockets. Anybody? No? that your phone light is on in your pocket. Have you ever reminded somebody, hey, your light is on, or has anybody told you, hey, your phone light is on? It looks weird. That looks weird, why? Because light has no value if it's not being used. That's the point. Why is it on, right? (laughs) He calls us a city set on a hill, not a village tucked away, amen? 
He calls us lamps. No one in their right mind lights a lamp and hides it. That's what he's saying. There should be nothing secretive about our faith and our love for Jesus. Nothing. We're not called to blend in with this world. We were called to stand out. Like a lamp in a room, like a city on a hill. And Paul says, I am not. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. This is what people get to see. This is what people get to see when they see you. They get to see Jesus. Our light is only a reflection of the true light. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, You are a royal priesthood. Even though he's speaking to a Jewish audience, you and I get to be a part of the family now. Like we've been grafted in. That's what it says in Romans. Which makes us a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We get to now bring people into the presence of God. This is what we're called to do. Following Jesus isn't popular. I can tell you that. In most places, we stand out. But that's the point. Even standing for righteousness might bring hateful opposition to us one day. Who knows? But he already warned us about that. But by God's grace, it might bring salvation. As followers of Jesus, you and I were called to influence, to be an influence in this world, not be influenced by it. Amen? You are the salt. You are the light of the world. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time, Lord God. I pray that you would give us a boldness, Lord, to not just come into church and be church people, Lord. Church starts out there. So, Father, whether we're in our workplaces or we're at home or we're surrounded, Lord God, by people who believe in all kinds of things, I pray that we would stand fast and stand firm in our faith, Lord God, that we would trust in you, that you would do what you do, that you would work by your spirit in the hearts and the minds of the people that are around us, Lord God, and when they see us, Lord God, that we could point them to you. Father, I thank you for this church, Lord. I pray that there would be a reviving, a revival in our hearts, Lord, for those of us who've maybe fallen asleep. Maybe some of us have bogged down, Lord God, but I pray, Lord, that you would light another fire, Lord God, under our, in our hearts. And I pray, Lord God, that you would convict the hearts, encourage us tonight, Lord, to live for you and not waver, Lord, so that we may be a witness, Lord, to everybody here in Kauai because this is where you placed us. So help us to represent you and represent you rightly. We love you and we praise you, Father. We pray you be with the children again outside, Lord. We pray you bless their fellowship time together. And we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.